Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, what's going on? I know you're busy. Yeah, it's been a little crazy morning. I've been working on the demon uh, for a couple hours, just going through and finding things that people have pointed out to us and trying to make them better. Yeah, um, and we're doing another development sprint on Friday, and hopefully things are going to be uh, rock solid after that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. Uh, when I was working this morning, it felt I had deja vu. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a long time ago when I was in college, I was doing this exact same thing for my university. I was working on the English 115 class and it was going online and it was the first time classes were going online and it was the first class to go online for the school as, as far as I remember. And back then, the two competing browsers were Internet Explorer and do you remember the other one? Uh, uh, Netscape. You got it. Yeah, yes. Netscape. And I think Netscape may have been more popular, although uh, I don't know if you remember, but Bill Gates forced everyone to take Internet Explorer with their Windows. Yes, um, I do remember OS. that. Yeah, and people complained about that. But anyway, I just remember we would be developing some feature for the class and it would work in one browser but wouldn't work in another and although we don't really have we do have some browser issues right now most of those are have kind of gone away everybody's on so many different screen sizes now right and so trying to make it work for everybody um is a challenge especially with something like reading comp when you have to make sure that the lines line up right. with the, the written text on a piece of paper so yeah. It's been fun, but as it gets better and better, it's exciting, you know? So. Your definition of fun and exciting is slightly different from my definition of fun <laughs> and exciting, but uh, we've learned that over the years. Yeah, I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, awesome, good. Well, thanks for all of that work you're doing, and I know the product is going to turn out to be uh, really fantastic, so I, I do appreciate it. Um, today on the show, we have some news about a digital LSAT launch, officially digital LSAT launch date. Can't wait to talk about that. And what good timing, since we have the LSAT demon ready to go. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a few questions from students, so here they are, rapid-fire style. One, should students follow Khan's advice about marking up RC passages? Two, how is evaluative or descriptive grading dealt with by law schools? Uh, three, how do you ask for a letter of recommendation without getting fired? Four, is Khan confused about sufficient versus necessary assumption questions? That all sound good, Ben? That sounds good. I, I should point out that I think that's the first time, with Sarah's help, of course, that we've actually thought about the show for more than two minutes before we hit record. <laughs> I know. Uh, what's what's this world coming to? We're we're actually trying to do our best for people. Um, <laughs> actually, no, because we we thought about it for about four minutes. If we were doing our best, it would be more than four minutes, but. Yeah. Or I don't know. Maybe this is our best, right? Maybe this is all we're capable of. <laughs> this could be the peak. This could be the greatest episode ever. Maybe after this, we'll just drop the mic and just be done done with the podcast, done with LSAT, and just walk off into the sunset. That's right. You never yeah. know. Never you know. always end on a high note, as you say. So yeah. my question for you, or not users, listeners, is, um, yeah, was that helpful? Does it help with the rest of the show? Let us know. Oh, yeah. Do you like that intro? Yeah. Et cetera. Um, you can email the show if you would like to get on the agenda. That's help at thinkinglsat.com. If you'd like to be a member of the Thinking LSAT community, you just go to Facebook and join the Thinking LSAT podcast group. We now have 971 members. 
uh, on that group. And we've been, oh, there's a poll active right now about when and where you want our next live class. Uh, it's looking like the leader right now is uh, Las Vegas in the second half of March. But uh, the poll just got opened yesterday, so you can uh, jump on there. We'll leave the poll open for a while before we make it. You can uh, – we have a new Facebook page. Like uh, we, we have a group, but we didn't have a page. So now we have a page. And if you can do us a favor and just hit the like on that, um, that would be great. You can search at Thinking LSAT on Facebook if you want to give us a little bit of a boost that way. Uh, we're on Twitter. At Thinking LSAT is the show. At Infox is me. At Olson Benjamin is Ben. You can go to strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com to learn about all of our services, including live classes in D.C., L.A., San Francisco, and all sorts of online and one-on-one options. If you're interested in the LSAT demon that we keep talking about, go to lsatdemon.com and check out a free trial. Uh, We hope you'll love it. Cool. Chicago, Ben, is coming up October 20 and 21st. Don't know what to say. I'm excited. I'm excited as well. Yeah, this is going to be great. So the weather's going to be perfect, I think, at least for me. I think so. I like like it a little little colder than I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bring my puppy jacket and um, my long underwear. Did you say puppy? Puffy. Puffy Puffy. as in like with an F or with a P? Yeah, Ben. I have a jacket made of puppies. (laughs) I'm a monster. I always thought you were, man. All, all Actually, this, it's a all puffy this liberal jacket. self-righteousness that you spout on the show. <laughs> it's a puffy jacket. Okay, good. But it is the reason why it's puffy is because it's full of puppies. See, yeah. I made a jacket out. It, the puppies are actually inside. Yeah. They're they're perfectly happy. They're like they snuggle with me. They're nice. They keep me nice bastard. and warm. No, they're they're my friends. <laughs> oh, they're they're alive. They're alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it sounds like you, man. That's life. how about that? That's. Boy, some fashion designer out there make a mint, at least in a fashion show. You have a jacket with like 30 pockets, the quilted pockets, and each pocket has a puppy in it. That doesn't sound heavy at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so if you're interested in joining us for that class in Chicago, uh, that's October 20th and 21st, and you can sign up for it on thinkinglsat.com thinkinglsat.com slash chicago right that's uh forward slash blog forward slash chicago which just go to thinkinglsat.com and look for chicago and you'll find it and you can sign up and join us and we're going to have a blast and we're going to review prep test 85 can't wait to do that um yeah it's going to be a good time we're going to hang out on friday night where are we going do we know i haven't picked there's so many good choices i'll post something on facebook and we will uh we'll have a meetup um, whether or not you sign up for the class, if you just want to come out and join us for a drink on Friday night, that's totally fine too. Um, but we look forward to seeing you in the Windy City. Yeah. By the way, okay. last comment. I think we mentioned this before, but I just couldn't believe how many people came to the last New York class from all over the country. That was surprising. That was that was really surprising, and I'm hoping that it'll be the same in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is a wonderful place to visit, so... Um, it's not too late to, you know, grab an Airbnb and, uh, jump on a cheap flight and come join us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this news. Uh, this came out right after we recorded the last episode. So this is like actually now about 10 days old news by the time listeners hear this, Mm -hmm. um, or actually almost two weeks old by the time listeners hear this, but we haven't talked about it, Ben. It says, good morning. I have exciting news to share with you today. 
Below is a release announcing LSAC's schedule for the launch of the digital LSAT, along with an attachment showing visuals of the test on a tablet screen. The release also outlines our plans to offer the LSAT nine times in the 2019-2020 testing cycle, up from six times this cycle. Please let me know if you have any questions or would like additional comments from LSAC leaders. And that's coming from Wendy Margolis, the Chief Executive Communications and Public Affairs Officer. Also, you might know the name Wendy Margolis because that's what's listed as the author on Amazon of all of their books. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think she actually wrote the books, but she's listed as the author. <laughs> she wrote your books. test. So if you're angry, email her. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't do either of those. She's the chief executive communications and public affairs officer. She's it's like, it's more like this is who we want people to send hate mail to. Yeah. Um, she seems, she seems delightful. Um, yep. So here's the actual announcement itself. Headline, LSAC announces digital LSAT launch schedule. Uh, and then it says all this same shit again. Is there anything in here that we really need to talk about? <laughs> I don't know, but I can see that it's quoting Kelly Testy, our favorite uh, <laughs> Kelly Testy. quotable, quotable uh, executive in, the, in America today. Yeah, I mean, they are doing a... F- there are a couple funny things with the transition, right? Maybe we should just read through this. Yeah. All right, yeah. let me, I'll, I'll just, I, I'm going, I'm on a roll, why not? Yeah. Um, okay, Newtown, Pennsylvania, October 3, 2018. <laughs> I like the dateline that they put in. <laughs> this is oh, it's, it's because it's a press release, that's Oh, funny. yeah. Um, okay, the Law School Admission Council, LSAC, today announced the schedule for transitioning the LSAT, the assessment tool used by over 99% of all <laughs> law school applicants, <laughs> To a digital format, beginning with the July 2019 LSAT test. Wait, LSAT test? Oh my goodness, they failed their own, like, acronym. Wow. <laughs> Law school admission test test. Okay. Wait, hold um, up, though. The yes. fact that they, they, they said that the assessment tool used by over 99% of all law school applicants, they did not need to say that. They said that because they're feeling threatened by the GRE and they wanted to show 100%. their dominance. 100%. That's, that's hilarious. I mean, they're... Well, whatever, it's PR, you know, so yeah. this is like a press release and they're just hoping, they're hoping that some reporter just puts that right into their story. Yeah. Right? They just want, I mean, the idea is they want a newswire to just pick up and run exactly this. So it's telling because it's like, this is what they would want to just be in the newspaper. If they could, this would be in the newspaper. Yeah. That's their idea. They want a really lazy reporter to just like put exactly this, including the assessment tool used by over 99% of all law school applicants. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny because I, I feel like it almost reminded me of how not everyone uses the LSAT. <laughs> right? like, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Some right. people don't. And who are those people and why don't they use it? <laughs> yeah. It's funny how times have changed, right? Like 10 years ago when we were baby LSAT teachers, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we've never they they wouldn't have ever said that nope they would have been like of course we're the well it says it right in the name we're the law school admission test test <laughs> like we don't need to say that 99 because it's actually it was 100 percent back then yeah uh now it's not um okay anyway the uh quote here comes the quote see second paragraph it's good news writing you got mm-hmm. the lead paragraph then you got the second paragraph with a quote okay quote the LSAT will be fully digital in North America starting in September 2019. We've planned this transition carefully to ensure candidates have all the information they need to decide their preferred testing schedule, said 
Kelly Testy, president and CEO of LSAC. <laughs> okay. Because law school candidates in the, I mean, sure, they, they did actually, right? I mean, of yeah. course they thought it through. They're a bunch of lawyers, so they think everything through a It's lot. funny that they think that this needs to be the lead quote. That is a very boring quote. Yeah. I, well, I guess they want it to be boring. They want the transition to be boring, right? They want it to be like, no big deal. Yeah. They're scared, obviously. <laughs> That's why they put a very boring, like, everything's fine, quote. It's, it's almost, it says the exact opposite again, right? Like, mm-hmm. when they say 99% of all applicants, <laughs> what they mean is, we're scared of the GRE. <laughs> when they say, we've planned the transition carefully, what they mean is, Oh boy, like well, there's probably going to be some kinks to iron out in yeah. this whole process. And by the way, when we get later into this press release, it becomes obvious that they know that there are going to be some issues. Yeah. Because otherwise they wouldn't do specifically one of the things that they say they're going to do. This is kind of crazy when it gets down here. Um, okay. Because law school candidates in the current testing year will have anticipated the current paper and pencil test format. LSAC has scheduled the transition to begin with the July 15, 2019 test. And after, sorry, after this year's law school admission cycle is largely completed. Oh, they're so lawyerly. I know. They can't admit that it's completed at that point. They're like, well, it's largely completed because some idiots are still applying to law school at that point and going to schools they shouldn't be going to. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. At the July 2019 test, some test takers will be assigned pencil and paper tests, and some will be assigned digital tests, which is a best practice under educational testing standards for moving (laughs) to a new testing method, Uh, according to them. They they don't cite a reference for that at all. They They just, I mean, I'm sure they've done some. I mean, it kind of makes sense. They're they're randomly assigning people one test or the other so they can have a random sampling and see which ones. I guess which test, uh, see if people perform better on one test over the other based on the format. Yeah, or if there were more issues at one over the other. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, though. People are going to be pissed, right? Someone's going to be assigned the digital and they want the paper, and some people are going to be assigned the paper and want the digital. But, hey. You can't have self-selecting groups. <laughs> Next paragraph. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they're not going to be randomly assigned. It, wait, doesn't it say some test takers will be assigned paper and yeah, pencil? Yeah, it doesn't say randomly. Okay, I'd assume they would do it randomly, but what? let's this hear what they have to say. This is a good LSAT lesson, isn't it, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my guess is some you, of the you, tests... You know it won't be random? No, I do not know it won't be random, but I mean, my, <laughs> my, my intuition tells me that they probably are just going to roll it out at some test centers okay. because otherwise they're going to like, what do digital and paper, pencil and paper at every test center. There's no way they're doing that. Well, I agree. That's challenging. I'm just looking at this sentence. It says, which is a best practice under educational testing standards. If you're going to implement a best practice, then you necessarily have to assume that they're randomly assigning these people. But, you know. <laughs> I, I don't give them credit for best practice until they show me their uh, show, show me your evidence. But uh, anyway. Yeah. To, okay. To ease the transition, LSAC is also offering July test takers a special option. Regardless of format, July test takers will have the opportunity 
to see their score before they decide whether they wish to cancel it. Oh my gosh. Those who decide to cancel can choose to retake the test again. Wait, retake the test again? (laughs) So you're going to take it two more times? (laughs) (laughs) A little edit would have been helpful there. Um, Retake the test through April 2020, free of charge. Oh my goodness. They are really like, there's nothing you can complain about. You know what? The LSAC should start listening to the show so that they could get editing advice. They could learn a lot, I think. Yeah. From our editing advice. That one right there is like, I don't know how that made it out the door. I, I, I would also just give them the general tip to take the number of paragraphs that they write and divide it by four and um, <laughs> stick with that many paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, or just the number of words, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually yeah. like that they have it d- divided up into tons of short paragraphs, that newspaper looking style. I do. I too. love mm-hmm. short paragraphs. Like I that. like That's... one sentence paragraphs. Yeah, in news for sure. Yeah. I wonder if people, I guess people could do that in their personal statement. I think, yeah, if it's a really powerful sentence and you want to emphasize it, bam, that is freaking awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what's going to happen? We started talking about semicolons, and then everybody wrote in sentences with semicolons, and we had to revoke their privileges from everyone. And so <laughs> now we're going to get all these like one-sentence paragraphs, one after another, and you're like, you're yelling at me. Stop yelling. Yeah, you know, it's totally. a way to, to, to emphasize something without using all caps. Totally. Anyways. Yeah. Um, this is crazy that you're going to be able to look at your score before you cancel. Yep. And if you cancel, you get to take it again. Wait a second. Boy. You know, they just, everybody should take it in July. There's no reason not to. You know what happened? Yeah. One thing that happened is, you know, July this year was like weak. Yeah. Right? There were not that many people taking it in July. They offered it in June. And it was pretty good. And then they offered it again in July and like half as many people took it. Then remember when they reported that the June plus July and they compared that to previous June? Yeah. <laughs> they were like, look at how many people are taking the test <laughs> when they compared two tests to one test. Yeah. Yeah. So they, this is again, like they're worried about, I think their number of July test takers. And so now they've made this huge, huge opportunity to take it in June, 2019. You know, LSAC is taking on a lot of um, financial expenses here. Well, I don't know any other type of expenses, but they're taking on a lot of expenses because they're offering. They're going to start offering the test, right? They said at the beginning of this email nine times. Is that right? Ten times? What was it? Nine times. So you're going to have the test offered more times per year, which means, yeah, maybe more people will take it throughout the year. But at the same time, you're going to have fewer people at each test center. Yet you have to offer test centers throughout the country. So these test centers are going to probably be, you know, <clears throat> have fewer people. And so then you need to ship the tablets. You need to have the proctors and all that stuff at these at more places with fewer students. Seems less efficient. Are you worried about their financial uh, stability? No, I just don't understand why they don't offload this to a test center. <laughs> no, yeah, right. I mean, well, it, it gets into it here later. Oh, okay. <laughs> she she's gonna she's gonna explain why. Oh, um, oh. it's laughable, but she's gonna explain why. Um, okay, so 
everybody should take it. We're, I'm sure we'll say this a hundred more times on the show, but everybody should take the test. If you're still applying at the time, you should definitely be taking the test in July of 2019 because yep. you're going to be able to look at your score, decide whether you want to cancel. And then if you do, you get a free retake. It's like a, yeah. it's just a free, free shot. Yep. Um, no okay. risk. Yep. Uh, monetarily free and score free. Just like you get a free shot at it. Yep. That's ridiculous. Like if you're applying for 2020, wait, yeah. If you're applying for 2020, you must take the test in July of 2019. Like you're an idiot if you don't. Yep. Okay. Um, the structure of the test sections and test questions will not be any different than the pencil different from different from God damn it. (laughs) This is fucking law school. What? Yeah. Wait, this is a quote from the president of LSAC. Yep. Well, I guess it's, it's realistic because people don't speak, you know, in proper English. You can always clean up what you said. Yeah. This, what the fuck? Really? The structure of the test sections and test questions will not be any different than the pencil and paper LSAT and we'll be providing free online tutorials so we don't think test takers will have any problems moving to the digital version, Testy said. In our field tests, candidates found the digital LSAT easy to use. That said, we wanted to provide additional options for those who register for our July transitional test. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, they're being very generous. Okay, so that is, I mean, for for listeners, in case you don't know, the digital test, it is going to be exactly the same as the pencil and paper test. The questions aren't changing. Nothing is changing about the substance of the test. So you can still study all the old pencil and paper tests. You can certainly still study pencil and paper um, in pencil and paper if you want. Uh, Don't think that you have to do immediately switch to digital studying. But if you want to, you just go to lsatdemon.com because we were ready for this. Yep. Um, and boy, they, they really are. I mean, you know what? I got to give them props actually. Like if you're stressed out at all about this transition, just sign up for the July test. Try it <laughs> and out. Take it, and take it digital. Although you may not. Oh, that's right. They might assign you pencil and paper. Randomly or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, randomly or not. Um, <laughs> well, whatever. So what? If you take it yeah. pencil and paper, you take it pencil and paper. One more test. It's definitely not harder to take it pencil and paper. And it's also not harder to take it digital, right, Ben? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I took it twice. So Yeah, you, you did the you did the digital trials and they were totally it was like it, it was surprisingly easy, right? It was surprisingly easy and I liked it because I didn't have to take time bubbling in my answers. I liked it. I uh, made the screen inverted. Right, so it was a dark screen with light text as opposed to a white screen with dark text, and it was a lot easier to read. So, wow, okay, cool. You can do all that. Yeah, nice, nice. The launch of the digital LSAT represents the culmination of several years of work. Quote We were not satisfied with the current electronic testing formats available, said Testy. We wanted higher security and a better user experience. So that's why they're not using. Hmm. So those are their, those are her two premises. She wanted higher security. I can't argue with that because I have no idea what the current security is at those testing centers. But a better user experience—that's bogus. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, we wanted proctors that would eat pistachios in the front of the room. Because <laughs> that's, that's good for the users. And we're um, going to ship a bunch of tablets all over the country and ship them back. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way it's a better user experience. They Okay. Anyway, whatever. Let it go. Um, the new digital LSAT will be delivered on tablet device. On tablet device. <laughs> Loaded. Okay. On a tablet device. Or on tablet devices. Yep. But not delivered on tablet device. What? What? How do they not? They sent this. Okay. This came from Wendy Margolis. And it was sent to like every LSAT teacher in the world. Yep. And then we sent it out to all of our students. And they just fired it out there with several pro- editing issues. Yeah. All right. Um, the new, <laughs> I mean, like, I guess we shouldn't nitpick them about like, whatever they're getting the news out there, but it's like, it's not lawyerly at all. Mm-mm. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, okay. The new digital LSAT will be delivered on tablet device loaded with patented software developed by LSAC <laughs> patented. Oh, I'm and glad in, it's patented. Yeah, yeah it's good, good to know. Yeah. And includes numerous features that will benefit test takers and schools, including faster reporting of scores. <laughs> faster than three weeks, but probably not faster than the Sylvan Testing Center, which gives you your GMAT and GRE score immediately. Yep. Current LSAT preparation materials can be used to practice effectively, including the free test preparation LSAC offers in collaboration with Khan Academy. Additional practice materials for use specifically on tablets are also forthcoming. Forthcoming. Wow. Hey, I wanted to say one thing. This article has used the word additional twice, Mm -hmm. which is a longer version of more. So I always replace additional with more. Mm. Yeah, but you don't get to sound like a pompous ass when you say Uh, more. True. Okay. So if you really want to sound like an esquire, (laughs) then you say additional. You say additional and nevertheless, or notwithstanding. <laughs> additional is four syllables, and you could put more instead. Wow. Okay. Um, quote, the LSAT is widely acknowledged as the best tool for assessing the potential for candidates to succeed in law school and pass the bar examination, said Testy. <laughs> said Testy, comma, protesting too much. Um, <laughs> I'll just add in a little. Quote. The digital LSAT will maintain the quality and predictive value that the LSAT is known for while providing a modern delivery system that enhances security, access, and ease of use. Keep saying it, Testy. We're starting to believe you now. Yeah, that paragraph really didn't say anything that hasn't already been said before. Um, Following the July 2019 transition test, the LSAT will be administered digitally going forward. Wait, you don't put following at the beginning of the sentence and then going forward at the end of the sentence. <laughs> well, you retake it again. Nathan. Yeah. Retake it again. Okay. The LSAC is committed f- to accessibility for test takers with disabilities and the tablet delivery system offers flexible type sizes, built-in screen reader and other enhancements that will deliver an optimal testing experience for test takers needing such accommodations. Yeah, which already exists at the Sylvan Learning Center. But anyway, okay. This is interesting because it's like, even here, the tablet delivery system offers flexible type sizes 
a built-in screen reader or built-in screen oh, readers. Oh, yeah. Mm, I didn't even catch that. And other enhancements. I, they, I don't know. Hmm. They just had to read it out loud once to themselves. Yep. At the same time, LSAC is moving to its new test delivery system. The organization has increased the number of administrations in its testing calendar. There will be nine LSAT administrations in the 2019-2020 testing year, up from six in the current testing year. Quote, for 99% of law school candidates, their enrollment journey begins with the LSAT, said Testy. Boy, you just three times in, the, in one press release, they, they said they, they felt like they had to say that. Yeah. Hey, notice no comma at the end of that quote. No comma at the end of that quote and no comma at the end of at the same time. Which uh, is debatable. No, no, no. They should, no, there shouldn't be a comma there. At the same time, LSAC is moving to its new testing delivery system. Oh, comma. yeah, yeah. No, my bad. Yep. Yeah. But the one at the end of that quote from Testy absolutely needs one. Comma before the end of that uh, closing quote. Yeah. Um, oh, you goal- know what? Maybe there should be a, a that after at the same time <laughs> to clarify, right? That that you're modifying the time. Yes. Yeah, that is awkward. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yep. Um, quote. For 99% of... Oh, wait, I already said that. For 99%, she already said it too. It's okay. Just say it again. Like, we yeah. need to hear it a couple times. No shit, yeah. <laughs> Quote, our goal is to make it easy and convenient for candidates to pursue their passion for law and justice. Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's cheesy. You didn't need... Okay, that the red pencil goes through all of that. Um, <laughs> that is not news, and it's just like... Okay. I can't um, believe she fit the word justice into this whole thing. Just justice. She wants to leave you with that final thought. Passion and justice there in that last quote. Oh, my goodness. Two, Two words, words you should never you... use should in your personal statement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Boy, we're, our brains are merging into one, Ben. It's yes. kind of getting scary. It is scary. Um, okay, there you go. So the big news is digital LSAT starting in July 2019. Free retake. Uh, if you take that test and don't like your score, randomly assign to either the digital or, pe- or pe- pencil and paper on that transitional test in July 2019. Uh, free retake if you don't like your score. See your score before you cancel it. Cancel it and get a free retake? That's nuts. That almost seems like an error. You know, I could see them backing off on that. We should take really? a... We should... Yeah. Yeah. Because... I don't know. Money. I'll bet you money. Yeah. All right. Bet bet a bet a beer on it, or a, um, <laughs> okay, a, a Moscow Mule because I know you like a little sweeter drink. Um, you know, whatever. I I could just see them. I could see them. Uh, I could see them changing it up. I could see them being like, "Oh shit, <laughs> we didn't realize that the, those two things together, like either one of them by yeah. itself." <laughs> is not like overpowered, but the two of those two things, the both of those things together is kind of nuts. I mean, they have never done either of those, you know, like cancel and get a free retake is already pretty crazy. See your score before you cancel is really crazy. Both of those at the same time is just like free kick in the nuts. Like just, Hey, here you go. Like you want to take a shot at the LSAT that has no downside and only upside. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they better be ready for like an avalanche of test takers in July, 2019. Yeah. 
I, I mean, honestly, they'll still get paid for it. They'll they'll get paid. They're be, they're getting paid for one test, and they'll have to probably give two to one and a half of those people. But they may make more money than they lose. Maybe that's what the they people. want. Maybe they wanted a huge sample in July yeah. of 2019. Yeah. Um, either that or they did not think it through, <laughs> which I, I don't know. I, I don't, they don't seem to be like that sensitive to what the users are going to, how the users are going to respond to some changes. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether they really thought that through. Oh, anyway, should we move on? Yeah. Oh, and, okay. And then down here we have uh, images of digital screen layouts. Um, and we can uh, post those to thinkinglset.com. Yep. Go to the website if you want to uh, see what the test is actually going to look like. Okay. I want to get into this reading comprehension issue. Yeah. So <clears throat> yesterday when I was doing some tutoring, someone pointed out to me that uh, – they did a practice test on Khan Academy's LSAT course. And when the person was, or the ex, whoever was explaining the reading comp passage started explaining it, they ended up marking it up rather significantly. All these little words, uh, transition words such as however and so on. And I was a little surprised. I said, oh, so they're advocating that you just mark it up all over the place. And she said, yeah. And I said, well, keep in mind, there's only 15 to 18 sentences in each of these passages. The second you start marking it up, the second you start thinking that somehow you're keeping this information (laughs) or noting this information or somehow storing this information, but you're not really storing it it's like a false sense of comprehension. And if you don't mark it up, then you really have to take it in and understand it and move it around in your head in some ways, right? Like be like, okay, this is what was said. Hmm, what do I think? A lot of times I find myself almost looking away from the passage and being like, okay, if that's what you're going to say, then you must be thinking this or what do I think of that? Um, That shows real engagement. Whereas marking up to me, can reflect engagement for some people, but for a lot of people, it's just an excuse to feel like they've taken note of what has been said. This is actually pretty bonkers when you look at these. <laughs> so we have here, so I We're think we have to put these images on the, yeah, we will. And so the first image shows you an example of what con lets you do, which in con it's a digital platform. You can highlight text. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Is that what this first image means? That Khan yes. lets you highlight? Okay. Yep. And then there's the tip video, the Khan tip video. Yeah. And it's like pencil and paper what what it would have you do. Yeah, which is confusing. It's it, that's So that right there is already like a little glitch in the matrix. Um, but then <laughs> the markup that Khan is suggesting that you do. If I saw someone doing this, I would be like, why are you drawing all over your fucking thing? Why are, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, if you did all this shit, you better score perfect on this thing. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen anyone do all this shit and score perfect on reading com. Yeah. So I, I, this to me feels like dogma 
it, this is this looks a lot like the terrible power score reading comprehension lesson that I had to give 11 years ago when I was starting my career as a power score teacher. Yeah. It was like, hey, look at this ridiculously overmarked up passage because I want to really I want to talk to you about markup. Like yeah. why? Like, oh, markup, that's a thing you should do. Well, really? Yeah, look, here, here's what it looks like. And it's like, oh, it looks like a kindergartner scribbled all over the page. Mm-hmm. We have the first two words are circled because it's in a quotation. It's already in quotations. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Why do you need to circle it and then draw an arrow over it and then underline another word anyway? It's got two, three different types of underlining. It's got like single underline, double underline. It's got a squiggly underline. It's got two words circled and a thing with an arrow. And that's and, all in the first six lines, seven lines. Yeah. And one of the words that is circled, which presumably should be something significant and important, is the word however. <laughs> well, Ben, you really need to look out for transition <laughs> words. <laughs> Oh, yes, because they tell me so much about what has been said here. Okay. Um, the question that we said we were going to answer is, should you follow Khan's diagramming advice on the reading comprehension? No. No. Or it's unanimous. <laughs> uh, disregard. All that bullshit. Boy, that was easy. Next one? Yeah. Well, wait, do we want to say anything about these energy points? Oh, what is energy points? I don't know. If anyone could tell us, we'd love to know. Wait, what is it? Oh, I remember. So when I clicked through Khan, it's gamification, Ben. Mm. That's what it is. It's gamification. So when you do a certain number of questions or whatever, then you get energy points and you can spend those energy points on whatever. You get unlock the next level of whatever. It's like, you know, it's just like, if you just try whatever i mean that you know that would definitely work on, on like third graders mm-hmm. i just don't know that like lawyers need if you need that type of motivation maybe law is not like your thing you know speaking of these energy points uh, in the demon we keep track of the difficulty level and the accuracy rate and several people have emailed me that they have specific goals. They look at the the accuracy rate and they look at the difficulty level and they're trying to get their accuracy rate up because as the accuracy rate goes up, then the difficulty level goes up too. It compensates. And then and we also they're... keep track of total time spent. Yep. Those are, those are reasonable things to keep track of. Yeah. How much time have I been studying? What's my accuracy rate? Is, mm-hmm. is my difficulty going up? Those things are definitely useful. Yeah. Um, the whole gamification, the way Khan did it with energy points is, uh, I, it didn't appeal to me, but yeah. Okay. Next one. Yeah. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I'm coming up on the final year of my PhD at Harvard in a social science field, and I'm considering applying to law school after completion. Hmm. Here are my reasons. One, I'm feeling a bit burned out in my field. Two, tenure track professorships are fiercely competitive. Three, I spend much of my leisure time learning about the law. Okay, so your first two reasons are why you want to leave, not necessarily why you want to go to law school. Right. Your third reason, I spend spend much of my leisure time learning about the law. Okay, 
Um, maybe you have a passion for it. I'm thinking that I will apply for academic positions, postdocs, and law school concurrently. Uh, hmm. Then decide based on what comes back. You're letting too much happen uh, outside of your control. It seems like I'm grateful to have options. One of the pro- one of the law programs that I've been really excited about is Northeastern's. They have a gradeless co-op style education that emphasizes work experience and classroom camaraderie. Maybe it's too free-spirited, but after so many years in education, I'm excited to try something new. I wouldn't go to law school because you like the sound of what they're going to be doing in law school. Ultimately, I'm not sure what type of law I'm interested in pursuing, but I'm not interested in paying for law school. That's good. The reason I'm saying don't go to law school because you're excited about what they're going to be doing in law school is that that's only three years of your career. You go to law school to practice law. So you need to figure out whether you want to do that and then you endure through law school or hopefully enjoy it. Yeah. Do you want to be a practicing lawyer? Yes or no? Yep. <laughs> if yes, then let's talk about law school. Or no, yeah. then no. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's possible that you could want to be a law professor, but um, that's really rare. Okay, here are my statistics. I have two bachelor's degrees with a 3.95, a master's from Harvard, and will soon have a PhD with a cumulative GPA or graduate school GPA of 3.9. I recently took my first practice test and scored 162. I will be 27 year old, 27 years old at graduation. Okay, so law professors are rare, but this does potentially sound like a law professor type. I, I hope um, he or she, anonymous, is looking at Harvard, Stanford, Yale law schools because that's where law professors come from. Yeah. But if that's what, if that's what we're talking about, then yeah, I mean, that makes it make a little bit more sense to be concurrently applying for academic positions and postdocs and law school, right? It's like, I want to be a professor. I just want to get a job. I have all these awesome credentials already. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a viable candidate for law school professorship. Yeah. All right. So now we get into some questions. Yeah. Does law school post PhD sound like a bad idea? It does sound like a lot of schooling, but you always got to make a decision based on where you want to end up now. (laughs) What you've done already is a sunk cost. So I would just look forward. That and professors are professional academics. Yep. So a PhD and a JD, I mean, that's very common for um, professors. Yeah. Next question. Will a PhD help or hurt me in the admissions process? How likely is it to help in terms of scholarship money and or stipend? Uh, I don't think PhDs are very common, and it shows that you're good at school. And people, law schools are interested in hiring or accepting, in a way, people Uh, who are good at what they're about to do, and that is become a full-time student. So to me, it seems like you're serious about academics. You've succeeded there before. They will expect you to succeed at their school. Yeah. I think it would help you. It can only help um, in terms of admissions, for sure. I'm not sure about scholarship money and stipend. I get the sense that they're, they're paying for numbers more than they're paying for PhDs. Yes. Next question. How old is too old to begin law school? You're fine. You're 27. Not even close. Yeah. Wait a decade and you're not even close. Yeah. People live for forever now. You're going to have a long academic or lawyering career. 
it's you're not even close to too old. What do you think of schools like Northeastern that offer co-op experiential learning programs? Additionally, what are your thoughts on evaluative grading in law school as opposed to alphabetic or numeric grading? Mm, we got the teaser wrong. I did it too fast. I thought it was about evaluative grading if you're applying for law school, in which case yeah. the LSAC then converts your evaluative grades um, based on like your, you know, whatever. They have a complicated system and you can just go to their website and find out more about it. But they translate your evaluative grades into a GPA. I guess the question here is about hiring. Yeah, that's really what it's about. How is that? How are these grades going to look when you're looking for a job? Well, I think we have to answer that two different ways. I, I think I have no idea for professorships. I just don't know that a lot of professors come out of Northeastern Law School. Yeah, so that's the real issue, not the grading style. Well, and, it, and then I guess it's the same thing when you're talking about lawyer jobs, right? Yeah. It's like, well, what's their job placement look like? That tells you all you need to know. Yep. If Northeastern, yeah, I mean, I don't care about evaluative grading. I care about what kind of jobs people end up with after they go to Northeastern. And that's a matter of public record. Yep. If you're really, if you're specifically interested in being a professor, I would like have a frank conversation with Northeastern about that. And I would say, you know, can you, can I speak with uh, alumni of Northeastern law who are now professors? Yeah. And if they can't hook you up, then they can't hook you up. I mean, I guess this is assuming that, well, the, the anonymous wants to become a professor, but it sounds like it, right? Academic positions. Yeah. 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 Okay. But if it's for lawyering, it, you know, then you just, you want to talk to alums. Yeah. Like if I had to just like, what's your gut reaction, right? Like what kind of lawyer do you want to be? And if you just spout out like, Oh, uh, intellectual property. Okay. Well then go talk to Northeastern and have them introduce you to intellectual property attorneys. And again, if they can't do that, well then that tells you what you need to know about their grading process or whatever. I don't think it's the grading process. I think it's the admission standards and just the school overall. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Yeah, this person ends. Thanks for reading. Love the podcast. Don't use my name. No problem. Thank you, Anonymous. Good luck. Next one. Hello, Ben and Nathan. Can you provide any guidance for requesting a letter of recommendation which won't completely blow my cover? I work in a field wholly unrelated to law, and it would be extremely obvious that I have plans to leave my industry if I say that I'm considering law school. I work for the U.S. federal government in a very small quote, incestuous workforce of 417 gossipy people, DOD, Navy, weapons systems. <laughs> what do you think of that quote, incestuous? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, okay. Either just say it or leave it out. I don't understand yeah. what those scare quotes are meant to do. It's yeah. like, it's like it's like a it's like a safety valve. It's like a it's like a get out of jail free card. It's like, well, I thought it might be a little bit offensive if I said incestuous. I wanted to make it clear that I didn't really mean incest. I, I, I wanted to make it clear that I meant it in the metaphorical. Well, listen, 
none of us thought that there was actual incest happening. (laughs) (laughs) I hope to God there's not. (laughs) Okay. You're all unrelated adults. So I don't think it's possible that incest could be happening. Two, so if you would have said incestuous, we would have got your meaning. Um, By the way, that's the second definition of incestuous. Yeah. It's not even an uncommon meaning. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, just don't do that. It's okay. We're, we got it. We're smart. We could, you, could use, you can use a secondary definition of a word. But if you're uncomfortable with it, then maybe pick a different word. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm riled up after that email from LSAC. Um, okay. 417 gossipy people in the DOD, Navy, and weapons systems. Wow. Who knew there was so much gossip happening in the Navy? Yeah for example. Yeah. yeah. To make matters worse, it's a weird use of dashes there. Mm-hmm. To make matters worse, dash, dash, space, the people who best <laughs> know my best work are the people in charge of staffing annual reviews and raises for the entire workforce. Therefore, they are most likely to leak it to the whole workforce as it's their duty to maintain full staffing. While I obviously will leave eventually, I don't think I can stomach the either eight or 20 months of, quote, she's leaving us so we won't involve her in the important projects, quote, mentality, semicolon. After all, I am the overachieving lawyerly type. That's an okay semicolon in my book. I can't imagine I'm alone here in my desire for discretion. Okay. So the question is, how do I request a letter of recommendation, which won't completely blow my cover? Um, You can't. Yeah. Or you choose someone who you trust and won't blow your cover. Hopefully these things go hand in hand. Hopefully someone who's impressed with you is also someone who's willing to work with you. And you're is concerned about your overall success in life. Yeah, it's like, hey, Lisa, I know how much people gossip around here. I just wanted to ask you a question. My friend, she's applying. She's thinking about applying to law school, but she's worried <laughs> that if she, my friend, applied to law school and asked for a letter of recommendation from her supervisor that it would get out, and then she would get screwed at work. So what do you think, my supervisor, Lisa, who knows my work really well, what what would you advise my friend in that situation? How about that? Think that would fly? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you might want to make it even less obvious than that. No, I was making it obvious. (laughs) How would you do it? I don't know. I mean, I think you should just know by your interactions with the people you're thinking about asking to write your letters of rec, right? I mean, some of these people you know are gossipy and some of these people you respect because they're not that way and they don't, and they actually care about you. They want you to move on with your life in a way that's helpful and consistent with your goals. Yeah. Or just go and say like, you might be, you're rolling the dice, I guess, right? Like anytime you're going to trust somebody with something like that, you're rolling the dice a little bit. Yeah. But how about the Frank conversation of, Hey Lisa, listen, you, you, I'm going to, I got to trust you with something here. You know, my work, we're friends. 
I'm, I'm going to apply to law school. Yep. And you yep. have an opportunity here to really fuck me if you want to. Or you could be cool and write me a letter of recommendation and not fuck me at work. Right? Yeah. And then well, now it's in Lisa's court. Is she can either betray you or she can be your buddy. One thing I was thinking of, kind of a variant to your joke, um, is you could do that, but tone it down and say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about applying to law school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then see how they respond. And if it's really negative, just be like, yeah, I mean, who knows? And then go... And then it just kind of gets forgotten, right? Because unless you follow up on it, they'll just assume that you're still working there. Yeah. What would you do if? If I asked you for a letter of recommendation for a law school application, would uh, would that really hurt my job for the next eight or 20 months? And then see what she says. Like, yeah. I'm not doing it now. I'm not actually asking you. I'm just asking you, what if I did ask you? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, um, continuing on. Also, would it be misguided to have a foreign national write one of my letters of recommendation? Since I'm applying to schools in the U.S., should I stick to people from the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Anonymous. That's a strange question. I don't think it matters where they're from. Why would it matter? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the person works in the DOD, the Navy, and weapon systems. They probably look at surrounded foreign... by a lot of hyper foreign a foreign just even the phrase a foreign <laughs> national. <laughs> like whoa, <laughs> who says that? Yeah. A foreigner. <laughs> No, it's not. Yeah, a foreigner would be clearly racist. So instead, you say a foreign national because that's like the the like antiseptic like government version of it. Well, they are a foreign national. I was respecting their nation by calling them a foreign national. I didn't call them a foreigner. I called them a foreign national, which they are. Okay. Well, they're also a foreigner, but that's offensive. So, <laughs> wow. Um, that's yeah. That's funny. That's a little peek behind the. That's like just a little insight into the way um, government and defense people are, um, or they, the way they speak. Anyway, I can't imagine a law school <laughs> judging you because you have someone from anywhere writing the letter. I, okay, let me. I take that back. Okay. If it's a Russian citizen. I guess I could see someone. I, I don't know if there's reason to believe that you're a spy from Russia. I, I guess I could see a letter from Russia being kind of strange. But it would all depend on who the person is, right? It's this isn't it, yeah. like, <laughs> um, well, how do they know you, and how did you work with them? I, I can't imagine that. Yeah, I, I just I can't. What, I mean, where? Yeah. <laughs> It's probably not a Russian, by the way. It's probably like someone from, you know, Spain or what? It's like, uh, yeah. Okay. So that doesn't matter. Um, I wish I could give yeah. better advice about how to be a spy at your own job. Um, but I don't know. You're the one that knows your workplace and you're the one that knows your coworkers and your supervisors. So you're going to have to find somebody you trust or you're going to have to get a letter from outside of that circle. But that's going to be tough if that's your job. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I don't know, you might just have to suck it up and just get screwed at work for the next eight or 20 months. Or you might have to just leave your job and do something else for a while. Yeah. Take a little break before law school. Okay. Uh, next one. Yeah. Hey, Nathan, Ben, and Annalisa. I just wanted to pass along this Khan Academy question explanation. This is a necessary assumption question. So why they are they saying that we need to be looking for the missing principle that links the support to the conclusion? Oh, no. Wouldn't that describe the target answer for a sufficient assumption? Question. Necessary assumption just requires an answer that, if made false, would cause the argument to fail. I worry that with their, quote, explanation. <laughs> now, <laughs> quote, quotes there is actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because that's now you're throwing shade, right? So that's, that's uh, now you're like shitting on it with those scare quotes yeah. with their so-called explanation. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Good I use worry of scare that, quotes. Though. Yeah, I worry that with their, quote, explanation, they are actually making folks more confused. Yeah. Love the show. I especially love the new format with the Supreme Gatekeepers. Y'all are keeping it interesting best katie yes katie you are very insightful and this p- question in particular is uh, a little bit challenging the question stem or the prompt reads which one of the following is an assumption on which the argument depends there is no mention of a principle in this question i mean we hate the notion of a separate principle question anyway but it's sort of funny that the the explanation apparently refers to a principle since the question or the prompt itself is not even asking for a principle. But um, I don't know why they need to like add in that level of complexity you know, one more time. Uh, but anyways, the correct answer in this question says, uh, this answer provides the missing principle that links the support, in other words, the evidence, to the conclusion. This question is uh, tough. Do we can't read this question? That's I'm their assuming. full explanation. That's their full explanation. Ah, come on! And look at why they dismiss they dismiss B with it would not hurt the argument if this were untrue. So there, they're clearly doing the necessary assumption analysis. Yeah, but then when they pick the correct answer. They're doing the incorrect analysis. They are giving the sufficient assumption analysis. They're not the necessary assumption analysis. And it's just another example of Khan's explanations being mediocre. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about this question. Let me, um, I'm figuring out which one it is. Yeah. So this question, I guess we cannot read, but I will tell you that it is question 22 from the September or sorry the December 2013 LSAT um it's in that's test 71 by the way so test 71 gosh dang it I don't know which section it is but it is question 22 so you only have two options there you can figure it out but it's the one about predatory pricing yeah um in any case, this this answer, the correct answer in this question is very interesting because they're asking for a necessary assumption. The correct answer is a necessary assumption, but it's also a sufficient assumption yep. because uh, answers or assumptions can be necessary. They can be sufficient. They can be both, and they can also be neither, um, which is often the case in like strengthen questions. But in any case. Here, they asked us for a necessary assumption. Answers, the correct answer is a necessary assumption. 
But because it's a sufficient assumption as well, sometimes people read it and they apply the sufficient assumption test and they see that it works and they say, oh, okay, so I can see why it's correct. And that's exactly what Khan has done here. But that's not why it's correct, because even if it is a sufficient assumption, that doesn't make it right, given the fact that they're asking for a necessary assumption. So you actually have to apply the necessary assumption test, which is what Katie said. If the answer choice is not true, would it destroy the conclusion? And it does, so that makes this answer both necessary and sufficient. Yep. It's, um, it's the, the reason why so many people struggle with sufficient and necessary assumption questions is that the resources out there are really bad at teaching how to do sufficient and necessary, necessary assumption questions. And one reason why the resources are so bad is that you can sometimes get a question right for the wrong reason. And this yep. is an example of that. Like Ben said, the correct answer here turns out to be both necessary and sufficient. And Khan is explaining the answer using the sufficient analysis when it's a necessary assumption question. So here Khan is getting it right for the wrong reason. And if you study with you know mediocre teachers, which unfortunately seems to be what Khan is, like it's it's innovative in the sense that it's free. I'm glad it's free. That's awesome. It's just not that good. Yeah. And so if you study with these types of materials, it's like, I don't know. It just feels like it's only going to get you so far mm-hmm. because I can't tell you how many people have come to me from another test prep company, including Khan that just are like, boy, I just can't wrap my head around these like last night I had a, a guy say, t- saying that sufficient assumption questions were like really hard for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the easiest thing in the world. You just, as Khan says, provide the missing principle that links the support to the conclusion. Yeah. Unfortunately, Khan is saying that on a necessary assumption question. And so then that causes, you know, all these poor, diligent, hardworking students to never understand these two question types, at least not at the higher levels. Yeah. Because if this were a harder question, (laughs) there would be an answer that would link the principle or that would link the support to the conclusion. By the way, principle means thing. Okay. Principle doesn't have any magic at all. Principle just means thing. Yep. And there would be an answer that has, has a thing that does link the evidence to the conclusion, but that is more than what's required to link the evidence to the conclusion. And if it were a necessary assumption question, you would pick that answer and you would get it wrong. And that happens on harder necessary assumption questions. It also happens on harder sufficient assumption questions where there will be an answer that's necessary, but not sufficient. And it's often the most tempting wrong answer. It's the one that people are debating and they say, I feel like this is an assumption in the argument. And you're like, yeah, it is. It's not sufficient. <laughs> I, there are two types of assumption questions, people. There are sufficient assumption questions, which is asking which one is enough to prove the argument. Which one, if it's true, will make the argument win. That's it. That's all the analysis you need to know. And then there is a necessary assumption question, which is asking you which one must be true or else the argument will fail. Which one, if false, will make the argument lose. And you need to have those two different modes of analysis on board. 
or else you are not going to reach the 170s. Yeah. Like it's that, that is those strategies. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with like a one-on-one tutoring student who was like getting 168s and struggling with logical reasoning. And what, what's your problem? I just can't get my hand or head around these assumption questions. (laughs) And I go, okay. (laughs) Like I already know your problem, but what do you mean you're struggling with assumption questions? Are you struggling with necessary assumption questions or sufficient assumption questions? And how about we start with this? Can you tell me the difference between the two? (laughs) And they can't. Yeah. And then it's like easy money (laughs) because it's like, I know exactly what your problem is. So, you know, and, and we might need an hour or two to, to sort through all that. Yeah. But, um, that's a good use of both of our time, uh, and your money. You know, it's interesting. Um, when people first start learning about necessary assumption questions, the fact that the question uses the word necessary and the fact that we use the word necessary to describe the assumption for whatever reason seems to make people think that we're looking for a sufficient assumption. It, it's, it happens time and time again where I'm like, well, wait, hold on. If you want to apply to law school, what do you need? What do you need to do? What's necessary? And they're like, well, I need to take the LSAT. I need to submit an application. I need to pay, you know, <laughs> LSAC to have uh, an account. Yeah, all these things are necessary, but notice that none of them by themselves are sufficient. They're not enough to get you into law school. So that's how you can look for an answer that's necessary, but does not end up proving the conclusion. It's not enough to make the argument whole necessarily, um, but it is something necessary. I, I think the word necessary makes people feel like they need something that's complete or enough. No, the analysis is without this, it would fail. That's it. It's yeah. not about completing the argument. It's not about making the argument win. It's which one, if false, would make the argument fail. On yep. a sufficient assumption question, the correct answer is a sufficient winner, like you win. And mm-hmm. on a necessary assumption question, it's this had better be true or else we lose. It's a sufficient loser if it's false. Yeah. Okay. So like sufficient assumption is which one will provide um, summary judgment for the plaintiff and necessary assumption is like, which one, if false will provide summary judgment for the defense. Yeah. And there's a million ways that your case can fail, but there's like one way that your case can win. By the way, you probably should tell people what summary judgment is. Summary judgment means you win on the papers. You don't have to have a trial. It's just game over. Yeah. Um, can I give a math example quickly that I was working on last night with some students? Yep. I've had ver- previous versions of this, but I, I just, it's fresh in my mind. So, um, because I do want to make it clear that you could get this question right for the wrong reason. And I, getting it right is getting it right. So I'm glad you can get it right for the wrong reason. It's an, sometime, I mean, back up. Assumption. What does assumption mean? Assumption means missing piece. Right. Unstated premise. Yep. So, There's two types of assumptions, and assumptions can be sufficient or necessary, or both. But here's a a quick, it's it's not even an argument, really. It's just x plus 2 equals 4. Okay. That's an incomplete statement, right? Sure. 
Yep. Can you fill in the blanks? I can. Okay, do it. So x plus 2 equals 4. That means x, the missing piece, has got to be 2. Yep. Which Good would enough. be... Yeah, oh, sorry. Good enough. Okay. <laughs> now, that... So, but that... I mean, that's the answer to both a sufficient assumption question and a necessary assumption question, but it's two different pieces of analysis, right? Yeah. Go ahead and do it. Okay. So that two fills in the gap completely. I think this is what you're getting at, right? And yep. therefore it is a sufficient answer. If it makes it's true. It, if, if X it's equals true, two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then if X does equal two, then the equation or the arg- or the argument, you could look at it that way, makes sense, yep. right? It's complete. And if it's not true, if it's not two, then the equation doesn't make sense. It's wrong now, right? Yep. Okay. Now, so x equals 2 is both sufficient and necessary. Yep. But how about this? x equals y equals 2. Is it sufficient? Is it necessary? Or is it both? Now, uh, listeners, you might want to pause here and think about it for a second if you're not totally sure, because this is a good exercise for you. Again, the equation is x plus 2 equals 4. And I have provided you with an assumption x equals y equals 2. Is it sufficient to make the equation win, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Because now x is equal to 2. Mm-hmm. Right. So it makes the argument win. But is yeah. it necessary? Oh. No, it's not necessary because we don't care about y. Well, and because even if, what if x is 2 and y is a million? Yep. And um, 2 is 2. Well, in that case, x equals y equals 2 is false. But x does still equal 2. So the argument would not fail. So x, x equals y equals 2 is sufficient but not necessary. If it's true, it makes the equation win. If it's false, it makes the equation lose. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then last one. x or y equals 2. x or y equals 2. Yep. Well, that's, that's uh, necessary but not sufficient. How do you know? Okay, it's necessary because we do need at least one of those, x or y, to be equal to 2. Specifically, we need, we need x. x. Yeah, yeah. Right. but we need at least one of them, right? Like if we don't yeah. have either one of them, then we have a problem. But just because we know one of those is equal to 2 does not guarantee that the equation works because it may be y that ended up being 2, not x. So it's necessary but not sufficient. That's right. I'm going to start using that in classes. I think it's just, you know, it's another way of talking about this issue that we've talked about a million times. Yeah. Um, I guess you need to leave it there, huh, Ben? Sorry, dude. Yeah, I do. Yeah, no problem. That was show 162. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.